Appalachia is a 205,000 square mile region that follows the spine of the Appalachian Mountains from southern New York to northern Mississippi. It includes all of West Virginia and parts of 12 other states. Alabama, Georgia, Kentucky, Maryland, Mississippi, New York, North Carolina, Ohio, Pennsylvania, South Carolina, Tennessee, and Virginia. Often misunderstood and overlooked, Appalachia is home to some of the best writers and publishers in the United States. This program seeks to profile those authors and publishers, revealing how the region influences and impacts their work. From the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network and Blog Talk Radio, I'm your host, Elliot Parker, and now, Appalachia. And hello, friends. We welcome you to another episode of Now Appalachia, heard on Authors on the Air, Global Radio Network, and Blog Talk Radio, where we continue to profile the outstanding writers and publishers that write about and call Appalachia home. And we have another one of those outstanding writers with us today, and that is David Bell. And he is the USA Today bestselling author of eight novels from Berkeley Penguin Publishing, including Somebody's Daughter, Bring Her Home, Since She Went Away, Somebody I Used to Know, The Forgotten Girl, Never Come Back, The Hiding Place, Cemetery Girl, and his upcoming novel, Layover. His work has been translated into numerous foreign languages, and in 2013, he won the prestigious Pre-Polar International de Cognac for Best Prime Novel by an international author. He's an associate professor of English at Western Kentucky University, where he directs the MFA program in creative writing. He's a native of Cincinnati, Ohio, and he spends his free time rooting for the Reds and the Bengals, watching movies, and walking in the cemetery near his house. And he lives in Bowling Green, Kentucky, with his wife, writer Molly McCaffrey. So, David, welcome to Now Appalachia. Delighted to have you here. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Um, so many questions I want to get to. I've been a fan of your writing for a long time, and we'll get to your new book that's just coming out uh, called Layover. But I wanted to ask you first about the first book of yours that I read that really caught my attention, and that was Somebody's Daughter. And in that book, we have two characters who kind of meet unexpectedly at the beginning of the story, Michael Frazier and his ex-wife, Erica. And she kind of shows up uh, on his doorstep and has a big secret to tell him. Can you tell us a little bit about what goes on in that novel between Michael and Erica? And what is that secret? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of everybody's worst fear. Everybody has uh, these relationships in their past, whether they were married or they were just dating somebody. And when you break up with somebody, you want to think, well, I'm never going to see that person again, right? I'm just going to make a clean break. It didn't work out. Let's move on. Um, and so in this case, in somebody's daughter, um, he's made that clean break from this starter marriage that he had in his 20s. And he's gotten remarried and he has a good life and everything's normal. And then his ex-wife shows up on his doorstep, like you said. And when he opens the door and he says, what are you doing here, right? I haven't seen you in 10 years, and I thought all of our business was over with. She says, the reason I'm here is because my child is missing, my daughter is missing, and oh, surprise, 
She's your daughter and she was conceived right before we split up and I never told you that she existed and now you have to help me try to find her. Uh, and so Michael has all these questions. Is this really my child? Is she lying to me? But if this is really my child, don't I want to do anything I can do to try to find her? So he's in an immediate complicated situation. And the lesson is if somebody rings your doorbell at eight o'clock on a Tuesday night, just don't answer. Just, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> just don't answer the door. It can't be anything good. Yeah. And that reminds me of uh, what one of my favorite writers, Kurt Vonnegut, said about planning and worrying. He said, you know, the things that you worry about the most are not what you should be concerned about. It's the things that happen on a random Tuesday in the middle of February. Right. That you need to be that typically cause you problems and grief and issues. And so I'm glad you I'm right. glad you said that. I'm really glad all, you said that. All those things you worry about when you're lying awake in the middle of the night probably don't come true but then it's the thing that you didn't expect is the thing that turns your life upside down yes i agree one of the things i like about uh, somebody's daughter and i'll read just an excerpt of it from just a second but really in all of your books is is a style that really makes your writing so appealing and that is you oftentimes kind of drop the reader right in the middle of a situation and we kind of have to figure out what's going on and also kind of experience uh, the tension that is coming uh for those characters that are involved in that particular opening of your story so for example in chapter one i love how you start off somebody's daughter you say the doorbell rang shortly after eight o'clock that doorbell almost never rang, certainly not so late in the evening. And I love that because I'm dropped right in the middle of, of this place and this time and this setting. And you do that a lot in your novels. Is, is that something that you, you crafted as you continued to write? Or is that just something you picked up from being a reader of, of suspense and mystery and thriller? Or where, where did you kind of come up with that technique? Because I really love that technique about a lot of your books. I guess I imagine it's all of the above. I mean, if I'm writing thrillers, so the idea is to get the story moving as fast as possible, uh, make it so that someone is in a bookstore and they pick up the book and they read the first few sentences and then they have to know what else is happening, right? Um, so, so it's that. Um, it's also like you kind of said in your question, um, thrillers is, well, I mean, I guess all novels are a little disorienting. When you, when you pick one up and start to read it, you're trying to figure out what's going on. Who is who? What is their relationship to each other? Uh, where are we? What's going on? And so dropping the reader in that way puts the reader in the same position that the characters are in. The characters are saying, who's ringing my doorbell? What do they want? Uh, why, why are they bothering me? What is my relationship to this person? And so, um, so yeah, I, that's just an attempt to put the reader in the same position that the characters are in and then go from there with it. Very good. And you've got another outstanding book getting ready to be released on July 2nd, uh, 2019, and that is Layover. And it's a, a book that really is that fast-paced thriller that you've been talking about. And it's really about a man who meets uh, a beautiful woman at an airport. They share a drink and a kiss. And then she abruptly disappears or departs or, or goes away from him. But then 
um, he learns that she's a missing person. And I wanted to ask you about airports in general. And I know you travel a lot for your job and as a writer, and I travel a lot for work. And there's just something about being in an airport and these random conversations that you strike up with strangers when you're sitting in the terminal or your flight's been delayed or you've got some other issue going on. Um, what is it about airports that makes these kind of random encounters uh, so interesting and can serve as really a great beginning for a book like you have in Layover? I think it's because airports don't feel like they're the real world. They feel like they're this temporary place. You're not really in the city. You know, if I'm in the Nashville airport or I'm in the Charlotte airport, I'm not really in Charlotte or Nashville. And a lot of times we go through airports on layovers or whatever and you don't even go into the city. You might say like, well, yeah, I flew through Denver, but I never left the airport. So were you really in Denver or were you in this, just this uh, weird suspended animation between places? Um, so, so it kind of can feel like in an airport, nothing is real. Therefore, are there any consequences to the things you do? You know, you might eat stuff and drink stuff that you wouldn't ordinarily eat and drink, or you might buy stuff that you wouldn't ordinarily buy because you're just sitting there with nothing to do. And like you said, you might just start talking to people on a plane who you wouldn't ordinarily come into contact with or in an airport who you wouldn't ordinarily come into contact with. And it can feel like there are no consequences because chances are you're never going to see those people again. You might sit on a plane next to somebody and have a fascinating conversation. I remember I was flying once and it was during the height of the war in Afghanistan and I was sitting next to a guy who was a colonel in the army who had just come back from Afghanistan. So we had this fascinating conversation about the war and the political ramifications of the war and all that stuff. And he was a really interesting guy, but I don't even, I don't even think I got his name, you know, but, but I learned all this stuff. So, so that can be that encounter where you, you end up next to people who you might not ordinarily end up to end up next to. And then therefore, right, if that's the case, then anything goes, right? You can do anything you want. You can be anybody you want to be. I guess theoretically, if you wanted to, you could just lie to people you meet in an airport because they're not going to see you again. I could go, I could say to them, you know, oh, I'm the, you know, I'm, uh, I invented such and such or I, uh, or I discovered this, or uh, I play for the New York Knicks, or whatever, and someone would believe me or not believe me, or whatever. Um, so yeah, that kind of that feeling of anything goes uh, is what is weird about airports. I think that's very well said, and I've had all of those feelings and some of those similar circumstances that you're describing there uh, during my time in airports over the years. You know, one of the things that's interesting too about your story is uh, Joshua, who's the the, the male character uh, that we meet in the story. Uh, Morgan is the uh, female character that he invites to have a drink with uh, at the airport after kind of not knowing her for a very long time. But we learn that Josh is kind of uh, dissatisfied with his life, even though he's only in his early twenties. So. Uh, what is it about Josh that has him sort of feeling that way uh, without giving away too much? You know, what, what's got him kind of in that perspective or in that mindset as he's looking at his life, as he's kind of sitting at this airport? Yeah. I mean, he works for his dad. His dad has this company and um, Josh grew up without a mom for most of his life. His mother had left the family. So he's been raised by his dad. So he has this great appreciation for his dad 
and the efforts his dad made to raise him as a single father and to provide for him and then to build this company and to give him a job as soon as he gets out of college. And so he feels this obligation to stay working for the family business, but deep down, he really doesn't want to do that. He has other dreams and other ambitions, and he spent, he works all the time. He spends his whole life working, um, and he feels like, even at his young age, in his 20s, he feels like his life is passing him by. This is not what he wanted life to be like. And, and I think we can all relate to that feeling on some level that throughout our lives, we come to points where we say, Am I on the right path? Am I doing what I want to do? Am I as fulfilled by this as I could be fulfilled by this, right? So even though Josh is in a very weird, specific situation where he's met this stranger in an airport, some of those issues with his family and his job and his career and his dreams, I think are universal to all of us. I think so. Yes, I, I totally agree with that too. And on the flip side, Morgan is another fascinating character because she's the one that really holds a lot of the mysteries and the secrets. We kind of get a good sense of who Josh is and really what's bothering him or troubling him. But Morgan is this character that has all these, these secrets and all these kind of mysteries and uh, things about her that we learn and what she's up to as the novel unfolds. Was she a difficult character to write or was she a fun character to write? I imagine she had to be fun kind of layering her with all of these different secrets, but was it difficult to kind of keep those secrets unfolding as the chapters moved on so that uh, the reader would still be interested in following her kind of what she's up to yeah I mean she was fun to write because she's the unpredictable wild card character in the book uh, she's the person who the reader has no idea what her motivations are really um, she she says some things um, but Joshua and therefore the reader are thinking I don't know if I can believe what this person is telling me because she'll say she'll say one thing and then do something else or she's always running away and abandoning him and so he has no idea if he can trust her and I don't think the reader has any idea if they can trust her so she was fun in that way because she was unpredictable and up until the very end of the book the reader doesn't know, and I guess I wasn't entirely sure what she was up to or what she had done. Um, and then in terms of creating suspense, I mean, that's, that's the big question in the book is who is Morgan and what has she done? So her very unpredictability and strangeness is, is one of the main things that's going to keep, I hope, is going to keep people reading till the very end because they're going to want to know what is she really, what's her real story? She's been saying a lot of stuff. What is true and what is not? And how does it all add up once you get to the end of the book? We're speaking with USA Today best-selling author of eight novels, David Bell. We've been talking with him a little bit about one of his novels, Somebody's Daughter, but his uh, most recent novel, which will be released on July 2nd, 2019, is titled Layover. And uh, David, we'll come back to Layover in just a couple of minutes, but I wanted to ask you just for a moment uh, about the MFA program and, and MFA programs. You're the uh, director of the MFA program uh, at Western Kentucky University. Uh, we get some questions from time to time from listeners on the show about MFA programs. Uh, I have an MFA from Eastern Kentucky University, and a lot of guests that we've had on the program have earned their MFAs at different places. So can you talk a little bit about what the MFA is, and, and how should someone out there know if that might be the right degree for them to pursue? 
Yeah, I mean, an MFA is a, a master's degree in creative writing. I mean, you can get them in other, you can get them in painting, you can get them in art, you can get them in other disciplines, but it's a, it's a degree for someone in the creative, in a creative profession and the creative arts. And the goal is really just to give someone time where they can work on their craft, work on writing in this case. Um, and in, in the case of WKU and, and, and most creative writing programs, a lot of creative writing programs, um, you, get, you get an assistantship, which means that you teach classes or do some kind of work at the university and then your tuition is paid for and you get a tiny, tiny bit of money to, to live on while you're learning to write better and taking these classes. So, um, so I mean, the, the real idea, I think, is to give somebody a little, a little bit of money and a little bit of support while they try to become a better writer so that they're not out in the world saying, I have to work in a bank or I have to work as an IT person or I have to work as whatever I'm doing and I don't have any time to write and I don't have any time uh, to, to work more on my craft because I'm so concerned with making a living. Um, so that's really what the, and then also the MFA, the ideal would be that when you finish the MFA, you have a, what we call a terminal degree, which means that you could then go on and teach creative writing at a university, um, or you could go on and get a PhD, you could get, a, you could get an even more advanced degree if you wanted to. Um, so, so what I would say to people who are asking themselves if they want to get an MFA or not, I would say, if you want to be a college professor, if you want to teach creative writing at a university, then yeah, you probably need to get an MFA and maybe even a PhD. So if, if your goal in life is to be a college professor and to teach creative writing or, or something like that, then yes, you should get an MFA. Um, the other reason to get an MFA is what I just said before, which is um, if you just feel like you need time and space to write where you have deadlines being given to you and it gives you the opportunity to, to be part of a community of writers where you're there with other writers, uh, and you're there with professors who are professional writers, um, and you just want to be in that world for a little bit because it gives you a shot of energy or it gives you a shot of uh, feeling like you're not alone, right? Uh, I remember when I started my master's program, that was one of the biggest things was I I'm not alone. There are other people who want to be writers and care about writing and reading this much and you don't always encounter that in the in the real world um, I'm putting it in air quotes the real world you don't always encounter that so so being in an MFA program gives you a community of people who you become friends with for a long time after the degree program is over and then and then in that way you feel like you belong somewhere um, I, I mean, I also tell people you don't have to get an MFA to be a successful writer. There are lots and lots of writers who never went to graduate school, um, and, and that's okay too. You know, I mean, some, some people don't need that environment to learn, um, or they get that sense of community somewhere else. Um, so I don't think it's a requirement to be a successful writer. 
but I think it's just one avenue someone can pursue if they want to be a writer or most importantly, if they want to be a college professor, this is kind of one of the steps you have to take. So what makes Western Kentucky University's MFA program stand out from some of the other schools uh, that offer MFA programs both in Kentucky and in that part of Appalachia, but really across the country? What do you think makes WKU's program really stand out? Well, we're a small program. We only have like 12 to 14 students at a time. So you really get to know your fellow students well and you get to know the faculty well. Um, so if you like being in a smaller program like that, WKU might be the place for you. And if you don't want to be in a big program uh, with tons of people, then WKU might be the place for you. Um, we also try to emphasize um, things that the students can do that will help them find gainful employment after they finish the degree. Employment that is not dependent on academia. So all of our students have to do a secondary area uh, of whether that's literature, comp ret, something like that. So they get a broader experience than just creative writing. And we require all our students to do internships so that they gain some kind of experience. It might be experience directly related to a more traditional field in creative writing like uh, you know, we have students working at literary magazines or for publishers or things like that, but it might be something else. You know, it might be that a student goes and teaches creative writing at a women's shelter or in a prison, uh, or they might set up a reading series in the community or something like that. And then it just gives them a little bit of a broader, broader work experience and broader life experience that might be able to lead to a job or a different career path or something after, after they finish getting the MFA and that is not exclusively academia. It could be in the nonprofit sector, it could be whatever. Um, so those are the things that we think make the program unique. Every full-time student in our program is fully funded, which means they get a teaching assistantship that gives them a tuition waiver and some money to live on. Now, it's not a ton of money to live on. You're not gonna get rich getting your MFA, uh, but Bowling Green is a fairly inexpensive place to live. So, you know, you can usually make it work. So that those are the things that we think make it unique. Excellent. Very well said. And I know uh, when I got my MFA, it was one of the best things I ever did in my entire life for all of those reasons that you just said. The community, the friendships mm -hmm. that you make, the time that you have to write, the time that you have to write that project or pursue that writing project you've been wanting to write about for who knows how long, you know, you've right. got the focused time to do that. So yes, I, I totally agree with all of those things that you said. And I'm glad that uh, Western Kentucky's program is doing well and, and open and willing to take uh, new students as well. So let's get back to your novel, uh, Layover, which comes out uh, on July the 2nd of 2019. Um, one thing that kind of emerges, we were talking about Josh, we were talking about Morgan a little while ago, and we were talking about Josh kind of being not really satisfied with his life and kind of looking for, you know, uh, opportunities to change and maybe take a different path. Um, you know, that, that's kind of a theme that emerges in the book is, is this idea that, that can we change the course of our lives? And, you know, is it our own decisions that kind of takes us down that path? Or is it sometimes these chance encounters that uh, we have with other people in life, kind of like Josh has with Morgan uh, at the airport. So um, 
as a writer, uh, as an educator, as just a, a person in general, do, do you feel like we, we have that option to, to do that? Is it more the choices and decisions we make or uh, is it just sometimes those random things that happen when we run into certain people, right place, right time kind of thing? Uh, what, what do you think about that? Well, I mean, I do, I think it's both. I mean, I think, um, we have a certain amount of control over our lives where we, where we choose, we try to choose the course of our lives and make decisions. But I mean, all you have to do is read the news and, or whatever, and you see how much of the, how many things happen to people that are not within their control. You know, I mean, what country you're born in, uh, what social status you're born into, um, what your race is, what your gender is, there are all sorts of things like that that affect how what we achieve in the world and might limit us or hinder us, not because of us, but because of the way the world views certain people and certain things. Um, so yeah, so, so there's a fair amount of chance involved in life. Um, as much as possible, we can always try to control what we do in life. Um, but that weird, that weird random element is there. Um, I also think that in terms of luck, like in terms of our careers and the way luck affects us, I think everybody has to be lucky. I don't think anybody's ever achieved anything great in life without being lucky to some extent. Um, but I also think people who get lucky in that way are ready to take advantage of the luck. Right. You know, like someone could walk up to, you know, two different writers and say to one of them, hey, I've got a book contract right here for one of you. Right. And one of them might say, oh, yeah, well, I have to go home and it's going to take me five years to write my novel. And the other one might say, well, I've got a novel right here. I've been waiting my whole life for this opportunity. Um, so if you're in the position, if you if you put yourself in a position that luck comes your way, then you can take advantage of it. Um, but I do think that people, people who succeed at anything, whether it's business or writing or whatever, do have to be able to step back and say, it wasn't all me. It wasn't, it wasn't entirely just me being the hardest worker or the best person or whatever. Some breaks had to come my way. Some other people had to help me. Other people had to give me a, a lift up, right? Um, I think if, if we, people who teach probably understand that to some extent because we've benefited from people helping us and then now we're in a position where we're helping people who are coming along as students or whatever. Um, so yeah, so it's, it's a combination of both, I would assume. So when readers get to the very last page of layover uh, and they kind of close the, the back cover of the book or they kind of swipe through the, uh, the, the Kindle page for the last time, what do you hope they take away uh, from your new thriller novel? Gosh, I hope they let out a deep breath and say, you know, I've been holding my breath waiting to see what was going to happen. And now, now it's all done. And, and I really enjoyed that ride. Um, I hope they feel I hope they feel a little bit of emotion. I mean, I, I, you know, I, my books are thrillers, but they really are about, as I think any book, good book would be about, they're about the characters and they're about the characters relationships. So I hope when they get to the end, they feel like I understand these characters. I saw these relationships. I got emotionally involved in what was going on. Um, and so, and then I hope they close that and say, I'm going to go buy the other eight books because now I've got to read more by this author if they haven't read it already. And if they have read the other eight books, I hope they go buy them again. 
Absolutely. And yes, I would, yes. I, I, yes, I would encourage anybody to, to, to do that uh, and start with somebody's daughter, even though that's kind of a little bit out of, uh, uh, well, towards the beginning of, uh, of your, uh, uh, of your eight books, but start there and then just keep going because they will be yeah. uh, extremely satisfied with that. So David, I wanted to ask you, that kind of leads me into my, to, to my next question. Um, you know, this is your ninth book now layover. You've written eight previous to this. Where does layover fall in terms of difficulty in writing the other books? Was it one of your harder books to write, easier books to write, somewhere in the middle? Because um, some writers will tell you it gets easier the more you write. Some writers will say, every time I write a new novel, it's like I have no idea what I'm doing. So <laughs> where, do, where do you think layover falls in, in the other eight books that you've written in terms of difficulty and putting it together? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say. I, I do think they're all equally difficult because I think just the blank page is just difficult for everybody. Um, and, and I think that, um, you know, to some extent, the more books I've written, I have, I have more confidence because I can look back and say, if I find myself stuck or I find myself doubting myself, I, I can look back and say, okay, I have done this before, right? I, you know, whereas if I was writing a first book, I wouldn't have that to fall back on or a second book where I might just say, well, I did it once, but maybe that was a fluke. Maybe I just got lucky and that was the one book I had to write. So, so I do think that writers, as we go along, we get a little more confidence. Yes, I've done this before. Yes, I know. I didn't, I didn't just lose the ability to, to write a book, um, but it's still difficult. It's still difficult to come up with an original idea. It's still difficult to, to create a world. Um, it's difficult to, to go through the whole process of seeing it through and revising and everything. Um, so it's tough for me to look back and say that one is easier or harder than the other. I can say that when I was writing Layover, I was very excited about it because I loved the idea. I loved that concept of these people meeting in an airport and leading to all sorts of craziness that was going to come after that. Um, so I was really, I was really in love and excited with that idea. Um, I always, I always think it's fun to write the book because I just think the process of writing is fun. Um, you know, sometimes it's painful, but I mean, I, just in general, that's just a thing I enjoy doing. If I didn't enjoy doing it, and this would be advice I would give to anybody, if you don't enjoy doing it and it's making you miserable to do it, then, you know, you should go do something else because there's other stuff that we need people to do in the world. Um, so I enjoyed it just as much as I enjoy writing anything else. And, um, and I hope some of that fun and enjoyment and unpredictability that we talked about comes through when people read the book. So David, in our final moments with you today, if anyone wants to get in contact with you uh, to talk to you about your career as a writer, to find out more about Layover or your other eight novels, or to get in touch with you about the MFA program at Western Kentucky University, first of all, how can they get in contact with you? Where can they find you and how can they get copies of Layover? Well, you can get in touch with me through my website, davidbellnovels.com, and I'm on social media. I'm on Twitter. Uh, Facebook and Instagram, David Bell Novels. So you can find me on any of those places. Um, and uh, if you want to get a copy of Layover, it's going to be in all your bookstores. It's going to be in Barnes and Noble. It's going to be in airport bookstores. 
There's going to be, a, if you're in the Atlanta airport after the book comes out, and part of the book takes place in the Atlanta airport, there's going to be a giant display in the Atlanta airport at their bookstore. So look for that. Um, it'll be in Target and it'll be in Walmart and all those places. And of course, Amazon and, and all those kinds of places. So you can find it just about anywhere. Um, but yeah, I like hearing from readers on social media uh, and via email and all that kind of stuff. So feel free to write. And if you have questions about uh, the MFA program at WKU or the undergraduate program at WKU, write to me through my website, or you can find me on the WKU website, and I'm happy to answer them. David Bell has been our guest today here on Now Appalachia. He is the USA Today best-selling author of eight novels. His ninth novel, uh, ninth thriller novel, Layover, comes out on July 2nd, 2019. You don't want to miss this one, folks. You want to pick this up and add this to your summer reading list. Uh, it'll make a great book to read if you're on a long flight. Uh, it'll be a great book to read if you've ever been on a long flight or ever been in an airport or been stuck in an airport or for whatever reason had to go to the airport. Uh, it's a wonderful read. It'll make a good read for your summer planning and your summer reading, so I would encourage you to get it. Uh, David, thank you so much for coming on Now Appalachia. It was a pleasure talking with you, and congratulations on Layover, and good luck with the book. Thanks, Elliot. It was great talking to you, and I enjoyed being on the show. Thanks. Thank you. Uh, that's going to do it for us on this episode of Now Appalachia. I want to say thanks to my producer, Teresa Russ. The executive producer of Now Appalachia is Pam Stack. This is a copyrighted podcast owned by the authors on the Air Global Radio Network. I'm Elliot Parker. Stay well and see you someplace soon, I hope.